0: The Dernion is a high-fantasy world, illuminated by exciting stories. Author's Note to the Podcast Audience Today's episode is the first in a pair of short releases that will make up a chapter in the final audiobook. Early in the day that followed Kylon's meeting with Talmo, three linguistics dwelt within the establishment within a stonewalled office. One was the Master Mysterian Gryphram. Another was Speaker Mandius, official mage of the Red Fortress. Finally, Sid Sidnaristron. Sid was a brightly red-haired head proctor of students. He was recently elected to his leadership role and himself not much older than the protos he oversaw. They three attempted to locate Kylon. They had dispatched agents throughout the fortress, subproctors and assistants to subproctors, who sought either Kylon or his friend to Joram. The latter might be able to tell them where their prime quarry was. Every soul is twain, every certainty is vain. The priest had said once more on that preceding Sunday, As the decades passed, Griffram's certainty only grew that this scripture from the Book of the Soul was correct. Ever more richly did he ken its manifold meaning. They stood among the likenesses and figures of saints and heroes of the one, the good. Griffram believed that strong civilian or peacetime leadership was much more difficult than battlefield leadership. Therefore, he was devout, or needed to be known as devout. Griffram had observed that many great leaders were known for a signature thing. He was religious. About ten years earlier, he had noticed that he was gaining a reputation for consistently attending the monocon. He'd gone with it, playing the angle, as one might say, in the eyes of those whom he led. As his thing, as a leader, he'd cultivated this religiosity. For decades now, he'd possessed devoutness and fervor for the one, or at least a seeming devoutness and fervor for the one. He did not waste time pondering which of those he definitely possessed, zeal or seeming zeal for he knew the great murk surrounding the ultimate truth in such matters. His mind would ever be twain, as the Book of the Soul said, if he tried to resolve the matter of his own true faith. Outwardly, though, decisiveness was an absolute must. No mystery there. When Kylon rushed Griffram, pranking him in the battle yard, those Griffram worked most closely with expected swift and intimidating reaction. Punishment of the Misneros boy. Kylon's little maneuver had been an insult, all right. But Griffram amplified the appearance of how disgraced he felt. He knew Sid Naristron and Mandius to think him much angrier than he actually was. To affect great affrontedness, he spoke often about the incident, though it had only been a few working hours since it had occurred. He placed high priority on the search for Kylon this morning. Griffram estimated that his actual care was about a third of what Mandius or Sid perceived. Griffram had another concern that was plentifully troubling. A matter that, as yet, he had avoided thinking about, keeping it inarticulately at bay in the back of his mind, as we say here on Earth. That was the decision of which punishment was fitting for Kylon. And the moment they located the offender, that decision would brook no further procrastination. It changed to nothing that the offender had been a resident and student in the establishment now for eighteen years, since he was a boy of about four. Though 65, Griffram had a strong, broad frame and moved about his fortress with steady motion that never second-guessed itself. One of those people who gave the impression he would bowl you over without a decline in his own momentum if you remained standing in his path. To hear his voice unexpectedly was to have your very day wounded. Griffram spoke with a tortured rip. The gravel, the flapping deformity in his utterances, was said to come from scarring along his esophagus. He had breathed in dragon fire forty-three years earlier at the skirmish in Tark, when Androvnans and the Plains people had unified to repel Kligriot, orc bullish chieftain. He had been unable to speak for six years after, yet muted, had maintained his rank as commander. He had even risen rapidly after that six years of silence to what would be his final rank, that of Narcolic General. He was yet the most celebrated Androvanian warrior, even among his younger counterparts. He always placed within the top three in the kingdom-wide tournaments in melee combat, the specialization of the red Mysterian Equies. From time to time in those tourneys, spectators witnessed from Gryphram some impossibly fast and intricate maneuver. He knew rumor construed such maneuvers flashes of the Novacanth. The Novacanth legend held, was a set of secret tactics handed down from each master Mysterian to the next, generation after generation. Though Griffram knew the fact of the matter, their existence was nowhere written of authoritatively. On balance, the most rational minds doubted the Novocanth's reality. Those who believed said that if this occult heritage really did exist, the moves were for blunt and bladed weapons and were to be shared out to the 499 Mysterians only at extremity of emergency, the darkest aspect of the Novocanth. Was what it required after the state of emergency subsided, for thereupon all recipients of the secret must be killed, not to include, of course, the prime keeper of the novicanth, usually the master Mysterian himself or herself. None of Gryphram's human inferiors or superiors in Androvna had been alive for any of the war against evil. But they said Gryphram bore the steely indifferent aura of warriors from that age, more so even than did King Tragnos, 15th Breltic, who currently sat the Androvnan throne. Gryphram had not been in the evil war. He'd fought in the Targ skirmishes, three decades of Klangort restlessness, in which he'd seen plenty of the dream horror pastiche that was Durnian War. The Blue Orcs, exiled, were attempting to expand their tiny home nation of Blig back in those days. Griffin realized he might well rise to the status of a legend in his own lifetime if he wasn't that already. But even legends such as he faced workaday travails. Griffram's chamber in the establishment, which served as study, meeting room, and most of his daily dwelling space, was a room roughly as long as a royal trireme. It was hung with saints, the furnishings therein rather spartan otherwise. The paintings were of elves, humans, dwarves, even a couple of Denian figures, those who loomed large in the ascent of the almighty religious entity called the One, the Good. They'd sent out their sortie of assistance they had only just begun the search for Joram, whereas an hour's long search had failed to yield kylon it was easy to imagine the latter proto hiding out somewhere determined in his evasion when they did discover Jorum, which was more likely they planned to strongly suggest that he reveal kylon's whereabouts the elected course was that proposed somewhat accidentally by sidnaristron he had dispatched proctors they were to tempt joram into snitching as sid had decried their modus griffram could tell as they awaited the fetched friend this joram that sid had not fully realized what would happen as he'd posited the notional plan